Hello and welcome to the Addicted Austinites, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. I'm Catherine and in this episode I'm going to be reviewing episode 6 of ITV Sanditon. So like the previous episodes of this series, this episode is split between Charlotte's story and the story of the Denims. And I think this week I'm going to start off with Charlotte's narrative. Charlotte is really our heroine, so it really is her story that we're following. But We have these B stories as well from the Denims and things like that. So this week I am actually starting (laughs) with Charlotte. So the events of episode five saw Georgiana kidnapped at the end. She was going to meet Otis Molyneux in Sanditon Town while everybody else was playing cricket and she gets kidnapped and whisked off to London. Charlotte of course is devastated and in this episode she has gone to London to try and find her friend. The portrayal of London in this episode is very period drama. (laughs) I've said it before that this series is slightly more Bronte-esque in tone, by which I mean it has that Victorian, slightly darker view of things. And it really is the same here with the portrayal of London. Now, of course, the Georgian era wasn't as bright and as shiny as costume dramas can make it look sometimes, and it was a difficult place to live, and it would have been very loud and very smelly and all these sorts of things. But there is a trend in recent costume dramas of making it look like the gates of hell (laughs) coming into London, and I really don't think it was that awful. I understand that it's part of the story in this case, and it needs to be seedy and dark and dirty. As much as we don't want period dramas to romanticise the bad things about the past that weren't great, it can also go too far in the other direction and make things look needlessly worse and unfairly worse than it actually was. So in London, Charlotte bumps into, of course, of all people, Sidney Parker. He has come out to look for Georgiana as well. And I think also to check in on his brother a bit, because Mr Parker stormed off, didn't he, at the end of the cricket match when the workers called him out for not paying them. So he's gone to London to get some money from the banks to pay the workers. And of course, of course, because it wouldn't be a costume drama without a scene like this, Charlotte is attacked by a rather shady gentleman in a London alley and she's rescued from... Certain doom by Sidney Parker. <laughs> oh, Sidney Parker. If you've listened to the other episodes, which I hope you have, or you're going to be mightily confused <laughs> listening to episode six, um, you'll know that I've had a bit of a difficult relationship with Sidney Parker in that I hate him. <laughs> I have hated him from the start. And in this episode, my worst fears were realised because he did get that redeeming story, that redeeming backstory, and he is now a sympathetic character, which really wasn't where I wanted it to go. However, however, that has made me question how I've been watching this and what prejudices I have brought with me into watching this. I certainly didn't start watching this series wanting it to be awful. You know, I I wanted to enjoy it and I don't want to have to complain about it. (laughs) 
it wasn't my um, my intention to be so negative about it. And in particular, I think that I've done the character of Sidney Parker a bit of an injustice. I haven't considered his character very fairly, I think. And that is because of Mr. Stringer. As you know, I absolutely adore Mr. Stringer. I think he is wonderful. He's so sweet and kind and he really gets on with Charlotte and I think that they would make a really good pair. It would just be so cute. And because of that, I think that I have just wanted to hate Sydney from the start because I wanted Mr. Stringer to be Charlotte's beau rather than Sydney Parker. But, and here is my issue because at the heart of it, I am watching this series and reviewing it because it is an Austin adaptation. We've discussed that while it has borrowed from Jane and it's used the initial plans that she set out, it really is its own thing at this point. It, very quickly into episode one, it stopped being Jane Austen's Sanderton and it became ITV's Sanderton. And this is where I encounter a problem because Mr Stringer is one of my favourite characters, but he was never in the original story of Sanderton that Jane wrote. He is not in any of the drafts that we have of that story. And I think that has clouded my judgment on Sidney Parker because at the core of his character, Sidney's, I mean, he is Jane's archetypal hero. He is a gentleman who has some character flaws that causes feelings in the heroine and throughout the story makes this journey into a better man and a more suitable partner for our heroine. It's a very Mr Darsky-esque transformation and it is a perfectly Austin thing to do. A very common story arc that we have in her plots and Sidney does follow that very very well. He is very pompous and arrogant and self-satisfied in the beginning and he's had run-ins with Charlotte where he makes it clear that he looks down on her and doesn't think she's as smart as she could be and things like that and they've had some arguments about this and they've had some sparring with words some very tense conversation including at the end of the last episode because of Georgiana's kidnapping and now of course in this episode he gets that Darcy's letter moment, you know what I mean, uh, in Pride and Prejudice when Darcy sends the letter to Elizabeth that explains everything. Sidney gets that moment in the carriage with Charlotte and he explains that, you know, he had always expected Otis to want Georgiana for her money and that he'd made promises to her father to look after her and his business in Antigua was started through the labours of slavery but he quickly abandoned it because he thought it was an abhorrent system and he does, he does not support slavery at all. So of course he now has his redemption, he's really not a bad guy, he's just kept information to himself that casts a different light on his personality and on his character and we have that moment where Charlotte is sort of chastised for thinking badly of him because of the backstory that he reveals which again I said very Austin-esque that happens 
in her stories quite a bit. But in this case, in Sydney Parker's case, I have just not liked him at all and I've not accepted him as a hero in this story. So yeah, I feel like I've done Sydney a bit of a disservice really. However, we then get to the end of the episode and it looks like he's flirting with his former fiancé. We find out that they were engaged before and she went off with a richer bloke who has now died. So she's a widow, a very rich widow at that. And they go to this ball. Charlotte and Sydney have a bit of a flirtatious dance. Again, a very Austin-esque thing to do. And then Sydney's going off and talking to this widow, his ex-fiancé. I think that Tom Parker's really going to push for their relationship because she is a rich widower and her money could be used to help Sanderton. Um, because he seems completely oblivious to Sydney and Charlotte's. They don't have a relationship yet, but there's something going on between them, clearly. <laughs> uh, and Tom seems completely oblivious to that. So I think he's going to push for that and we'll have to see how Charlotte reacts to that in the next episode. So yeah, once again I come out of this episode with mixed emotions about Sydney Parker. I really want to know what you guys think because I worry that Sydney is the perfect Austin hero but that I've been blinded by Mr Stringer, a non-Austin edition and if Mr Stringer wasn't there would I have viewed Sydney differently and as more of a hero from the off? Of course, Jane died before she could finish Sanderton and she didn't leave any plans for how it was going to finish. I think because she didn't think she was going to die midway through writing it, bless her. So we don't really know whether she did intend for, for Sydney Parker to end up with Charlotte or if she was going to introduce somebody else to be her love interest. But if we look back at her other plots and the other characters that she uses as heroes, it's a pretty safe bet to think that Sydney was in the running, certainly. So I want to know what you guys think, basically, about Sydney Parker and the way that he is portrayed in this series, and whether the non-Austin elements of this series have influenced his character and how different it might have been if they hadn't added extra characters. So drop me a comment and let me know what you think about Sydney Parker. So that really sort of sums up Charlotte's part in this episode, in her story in this episode. A lot of it is about her finding out more about Sydney and having him redeemed in her eyes. Of course, they do find Georgiana, as if we ever thought they wouldn't. <laughs> Turns out Otis Molyneux had a few gambling debts and his debtors took it upon themselves to kidnap Georgiana so that they could sell her off and pay his debt that way. I don't think that that is what Otis intended. I don't think he ever said anything of that kind to anybody, that he had mentioned Georgiana in passing during conversations. He probably got a bit drunk and said a bit too much, but I don't think he had any malicious intentions behind it, and I certainly don't think that he's a gold digger. But of course that relationship is now on the rocks and does lend more to Sydney's redemption in that his fears about just money 
or at least not completely unfounded, though of course they weren't nearly as bad as he thought. And he does have that magnanimous moment where he pays off Otis's debts, and of course Charlotte thinks he's the bee's knees for doing that. <laughs> so yeah, that's really sort of that half of the episode there. So now we're going to move on to the denims. So I remember when this series first went out on UK TV that this episode in particular garnered a lot of criticism for all the sexual content that people were saying it was trashy and it wasn't and that it was shocking and, and things like that and I do not condemn sexual content in these kinds of things because I think it's important to remember that these people were, were real people they weren't all chaste and asexual and that things like this didn't happen and they didn't have urges like we do in the modern day you know i love historical romances for example i absolutely adore them and i think there is a place for that kind of content but i don't think a jane austen adaptation is the place for that i would completely understand if you disagree with me on that and i'm not saying that the content wasn't you know done well i think I certainly didn't enjoy it in this context. I thought it was unnecessary for Ed and Clara for them to show us it going that far. Even in my favourite Austin adaptation of all time, the 2008 Northanger Abbey, there is more sexual content in there. It's a lot sexier than Northanger Abbey was originally, but it was only ever sort of implied. You know, we had Catherine having dreams about Mr Tilney. And then we had Isabella having her affair with Captain Tilney. And all we see is her in bed and him looking into a mirror. And she's saying, oh, we're engaged now. Implying that they had had relations in, in that bed. And that she was no longer an honourable woman, <laughs> so to speak. And that's perfectly fine. I think that is the right level to pitch this kind of stuff at in an Austin adaptation. I didn't need to see them going at it on the floor of his house. You know, even though they had all their clothes on, it was still way more than I wanted to see. I am happy in this instant with implications. And I think that just in the sense of an Austin tone, implication is definitely the way to go. And again, we have to remember that at its heart, Sanderton is an Austin adaptation. It isn't just another period drama. Now, the encounter between Edward Denham and Clara Brereton comes about because at the end of episode five, Lady Denham has a bit of a turn. She's not feeling very well at all. And in this episode, she's bedridden and she is declining from the looks of things. She, of course, is convinced that she's not going to die. I think she thinks she's going to live forever <laughs> at this point. Her stubbornness will keep her alive for a lot longer than anybody thinks. <laughs> you know how it goes. But of course, everybody around her, the Denims and Clara, are really anxious about her dying because they don't know who, who is going to get her money, who she's going to leave it to. And their story in this episode is them trying to find the will and trying to find out what's going to happen. Now, interestingly, Esther Denham isn't that fussed anymore. I think, bless her heart, her spirit has been broken because of Edward. They had that relationship. She loved him very clearly. 
and wanted a life together with him, but in the last couple of episodes she's found out that his intentions are nowhere near matching hers. And I think it has broken her, and she just doesn't care anymore, in particular. And I think she wants to see Edward suffer, which unfortunately means that she is going to suffer as well, but she doesn't particularly care. Edward and Clara, on the other hand, really, really do. I think, I hope, I should say, that Lady Denham mentioning her will is a ploy, that the will that Clara finds wherein she leaves all of her money to the development of Sanditon rather than to any of her relatives is fake to find out who Lady Dunn can trust and who she can give this money to because I think she's far too astute a woman to just casually mention her will after all this time and that it's hidden and, and all that kind of stuff if her lawyer knew where it was, he would be able to come out after she's died and say, I have it, this is what it says. She didn't need to let them know that that was the case. So I'm hoping that this is sort of a bluff. Because of course, Clara does find it, and she finds Lady Dunham is intending to leave all the feminine to Sanditon. And of course, she's not happy. She then blackmails Ed with it, because if Lady Dunham dies without a will, then all of her money de facto goes to Edward. So Clara is thinking that if she can blackmail Edward into giving her some of Lady Denham's money when she dies. So she gives the will to Edward and they burn it together and then they have that moment between the two of them that I've already mentioned <laughs> that I think was unnecessary but hey hey. And essentially they come to this agreement that Edward will give Clara some money when Lady Denham dies because they now believe that with the will burnt, that all of the money is going to go to Edward. Again, a very Austin-esque kind of plot. I don't think all of the details in it are particularly Austin-esque, but, you know, the whole idea of that obsession with inheritance and everything, and the politics involved in family. It's a very Austin-esque kind of plot. So yeah, once again, I'm sort of left in two minds about this episode. I am kind of disappointed because episode five was so brilliant and I loved it so much and I was so excited to see what was going to happen and this episode just didn't quite do it for me. <laughs> didn't give me quite the same chills. Although I can't say I was particularly surprised by anything that happened. It was more that I was hoping that they would take it in a different direction. But I can understand why they chose to do what they did. And I think, and I do think that they are very limited in terms of what they can do because it is, again, at its heart an adaptation. So they don't quite have the freedom that they might if it was just a standalone series. And I said that before, way back to the first few episodes, I think, that I, I think this series would have done a lot better if they had just given it a different name and the characters differently and gone with the plot that they wanted and made it a standalone period drama. Because as an Austin adaptation, it hits some of the beat, but it misses a lot more and it doesn't quite capture the tone. But I think as a period drama, it is very, very good. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Addicted Austinite. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please do like it and subscribe and share all this lovely thing we podcasters love. And I will see you next time. Until then, happy reading. Your faithful servant, the author. <laughs>